0: Howdy folks, this is Matt Sewell. Welcome to episode 24 of the PopeCast, the podcast for people who love history but aren't as fond of dry, dusty history books. This week it's a PopeCast first, the first time we're covering two popes in a single episode and the first of three times in church history that two brothers each held the chair of Peter. And interestingly enough, also the first of three times that the brothers reigned back to back. Mama must have been proud. This week it's Popes number 87 and 88, the Brothers Pope, Sicinius and Constantine. Sicinius and Constantine, though they were brothers, had about 14 years in age difference, and were both born in the, sometime in the 7th century, though the dates of their respective births are imprecise, not quite known for sure. They were both born in Syria, and they both shared a father named John. Other than that, little really is known about Sicinius prior to his election to succeed Pope John Seventh in 708, and really his papacy itself was a bit of a drag. He was apparently super old already, and to quote Adam Sandler, I got a bad case of the gout. The gout was so bad that he actually wasn't even able to feed himself. But his contemporaries still reported that Sicinius was still a man of strong character and had a mind for keeping Rome intact, even in his limited capacity. Sicinius was actually only in office for 21 calendar days, from the time of his consecration to his death on February 4th, 708. His lone acts were planning a restoration of Rome's walls and consecrating a bishop for Corsica. That's pretty much it. Fun fact, though, on the list of 10 shortest papal reigns, Sicinius comes in at number 5, just behind Theodore II's 20 days. But Sicinius actually uh, held the record for shortest reign, not that they were probably tracking that in those days, for nearly 200 years. Not quite two months went by after Brother Pope No. 1's death before Brother No. 2 was elected to take his place. Both Sicinius and Constantine reigned during what's now known as the Byzantine Papacy, a time when the Eastern Emperor, residing in Constantinople, required any new pope to be approved by him. This had its ups and downs, of course, over the 200-plus year period, but regardless, these two actually fell near the end of that era. It was the mid-6th century to the mid-8th century. Prior to being Pope, Constantine had traveled to the city of his namesake twice, having been there as a papal representative of the Third Council of Constantinople in six eighty 680, six hundred eighty one, and having visited a different time the next year to hand-deliver a salty letter from Pope St. Leo II to Emperor Constantine IV in 682. During those travels, he also reportedly met and became friendly with then-Prince Justinian, the man who would eventually reign as emperor during Constantine's own papacy. Justinian, it's worth noting, has been described as a ruthless and passionate ruler, perhaps even somewhat paranoid, whose main goal was to restore the Roman Empire to what it once was. TLDR, he failed on that front. But despite his ambition, it's said he lacked his father's finesse, the aforementioned Constantine IV was his dad. And Justinian didn't take kindly to any opposition. He had two periods of imperial reign, first from 685 to 695. When he was kicked out for 10 years, and then 10 years later, from 705 to 711. The big drama during Constantine's papacy had to do with a nearly 20-year-old issue that had already been condemned by a couple of previous popes. Justinian had convened what was called the Quinisext Council, also called the Trulon Council, in 692, and only invited Eastern bishops to attend. He meant it as a sort of extension to the Third Council of Constantinople a decade earlier and wanted it to pack the same punch as an ecumenical council to boot. Quick side note, remember that ecumenical councils have only happened 21 times, 21 in the 2,000-year history of the Catholic Church, so they were and continue to be a pretty huge deal. Anyway, the canons, what was proclaimed at the end of this Quinisex Council convened by Justinian, contained some good stuff, but more importantly contained a couple items— that the Western Church could never in their right mind ever agree to, chief among them being a claim that the Patriarch of Constantinople was equal to or greater than the Pope in Rome. Please. In any case, Justinian didn't really like that Sergius I had essentially told him to pound sand, charitably, of course, nor that John VII, remember, Sassinius' predecessor, simply sent back the letter from Justinian requesting clarifications without even so much as a single mark of the papal red pen. So Justinian summoned his old friend to Constantinople, a monumental trip to be sure. Seeing no way around it, Pope Constantine set off in the fall of 710 with 13 other clerics in tow, one of them being his eventual successor, Pope St. Gregory II, who was serving him as a deacon at the time. Justinian took great care to command that everywhere the pope's vessel touched, Peter's successor was to be treated as if he were the emperor himself. His arrival in Constantinople likewise was apparently a sight to behold. Andrew Economou, in his book on Byzantine Rome, recounts that Constantine rode in with a, quote, horse, caparisoned with gilded saddle clothes and golden bridles, and bearing on his head the Camelokian, or diadem, which the sovereign alone was authorized to wear, and only then on a great public festival of the Lord, end quote. Justinian himself rode out with a large party of dignitaries to welcome the pope over the last seven miles of his journey, also in the style that one would welcome an emperor into a city in those days. There's rumors that Justinian went so far as to prostrate himself lying face down on the ground as a sign of fealty to the pope, but uh, who knows if that actually happened. Some say a more mutual greeting was likely, but Justinian was an odd guy, so he might have actually done something like that. But in any case, the future Pope Gregory II ran the negotiations about all the Quinisext Council drama, and both sides were thankfully able to reach a diplomatic agreement without anyone soiling the deposit of faith or their own pants. When Constantine left in October 711, get this it was the last time a pope would set foot in Constantinople, known to us now, of course, as Istanbul, Turkey, until Pope St. Paul VI did so in 1967. That's 1,256 years, for those counting at home. Constantine still had four years left in his reign after he left Justinian, and the fun wasn't quite over just yet. Unfortunately for the emperor, soon after the papal party ended, a coup was staged, and he was overthrown and publicly executed. The new man in charge, Philippicus Bardanus, was a real dandy. Not only was he a heretic, holding the condemned view of monothelitism that Christ had only one will, remember on that, he has two, a human will and a divine will. But the new emperor completely rejected the findings of the Third Council of Constantinople to that end, and also demanded that the pope himself support his view of Jesus only having one will. Pretty ostentatious. Presumably holding his tongue about the pope having one will, to box the emperor's ears, Constantine instead just kind of ignored the new Byzantine boss. He denied the emperor's demand in 1712, then went even further by refusing to accept the customary imperial portrait or any coins bearing his likeness, and in a final bit of sass, refused even to commemorate the new emperor at mass. Constantine calmed the little spats that rose up in the meantime when the emperor sent his man to Rome, but thankfully, Philippicus was himself overthrown in 713. The new new guy, Anastasius II, made a point to send the pope a letter promising to play nice and believe actual true things about Jesus. So, thankfully, there were no further problems. Described by many as a remarkably affable man, Pope Constantine died on April 8, 715. He was 51 years old. Though sadly nothing exists from the hands of Sicinius or Constantine themselves, a couple lines from a letter sent by John, the patriarch of Constantinople to Pope Constantine still exist. The Catholic Encyclopedia recounts John writing to Constantine that, quote, Apostolical preeminence of the Pope is to the whole church. What the head is to the body, end quote, and that, quote, according to the canons, he is the head of the Christian priesthood, end quote. A pretty short line, of course, especially given the great snippets we've had in past episodes, but still a very important one, regardless. Here we have a patriarch of the Eastern Church whose position many throughout history have held up as a sort of parallel pope proclaiming the supremacy over the church that is the sole possession of the successor to the fisherman the bishop of rome some eight centuries before the protestant reformation no less well that's it for this week if you enjoyed this or other episodes please subscribe rate and review the pope the popecast at itunes or wherever you like to listen to podcasts if you'd like to share with your friends just send them to our website thepopecast.fm. that's thepopecast.fm. Also, to become a patron and help us continue churning these episodes out, consider connecting with us on Patreon for a buck or two an episode at patreon.com slash Sewell. The more patrons we get, the more incentive there is to continue producing new episodes since you only get charged when there's new content. Plus, patrons get uh, new episodes a day earlier than the public. Uh, you get to ask a question on a future podcast episode, among any many other b- uh, benefits coming down the pike. So that's patreon.com slash M-A-T-T-S-E-W-E-L-L. And on that note, a quick shout-out and thank you to Justin, our newest patron. Lastly, for great Pope quotes and such in between new episodes, be sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at ThePopeCast. But that's it for this week. We pray for the soul of Sicinius and Constantine and of all departed Popes that we may one day meet them in eternity. Until next time.